Alzheimer's sucks. It's an equal opportunity disease that chips away at everything we hold dear. And to date, there's no cure. So until there is, we continue to fight with the most powerful tool in our arsenal, love. This is Love Conquers Alls, a real and really positive podcast that takes a deep dive into everything Alzheimer's, the good, the bad, and everything in between. And now, here's your hosts, Susie Singer-Carter and Cassie Cruz. All you gotta do is sing a song. Hey, I'm Susie Singer-Carter. And I'm Cassie Cruz. And this is Love Conquers Alls. We are the podcast that takes a deep dive into everything Alzheimer's. We keep it real and really positive, sharing fears, feelings, and frustrations, and the latest news and resources and fabulous guests. Like the one we have today. Yes. Well, we have an awesome guest today. I'm super excited. Debbie Dashinger is a media personality and media visibility expert. In its 12th year... Debbie hosts the syndicated Dare to Dream podcast, nominated for two People's Choice Podcast Awards. Debbie interviews celebrities on the red carpet. She is a keynote speaker, a certified coach, and the author of three international best-selling books. Debbie coaches people on how to write a page-turning book, guarantees your book becomes an international bestseller, and is regularly featured as a contributor to published magazines, as well as a winner of multiple awards. The reason why we have Debbie today on our show, though, is because beyond all of those amazing things that she is doing in her life, Debbie has been a caregiver and still is for her mother. Her mother's name is Nadia Lawrence, and she just moved her in to an assisted living facility. And we have the great opportunity to talk to Debbie about so many different things. Debbie, welcome to our show. Mm, thank you well, for having this show. I have to say, I even tuned in when I found out about you because who in this situation doesn't feel like they need to find more information, to hear confirmation, to learn what other people are going through, get cutting edge information. So honestly, I'm your audience too. I'm very grateful to be here. Oh, thank you, Debbie. I echo what you just said, and I hope that we can give comfort and uh, a, a forum for people that feel like they're alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that actually, I, I don't know um, what other people experience. I do know that from what I'm finding out, everybody's Alzheimer's is different. So the, what the person is experiencing is completely different. You can't just say they have Alzheimer's and everybody gets it. The memory loss is different. The experience is different. The person that it's happening to is different. Mm-hmm. And then the caregiver, right? How we respond, what our relationship previously was, what it is now. Are we alone? Do we have a group? Do we have in-care? There are so many components to what this is, but... It is. And I don't think it's leaving anytime soon. It, it's, it is. And that's a great way to put it. It is. That's what we have to deal with. And so we have to figure out, each one of us, what makes our situation the best it can be. And I think the, I think the key thing that you said, Debbie, was every person is different and every story is different. And that is what we hope to uncover here and show all the different 
um, options and different personalities and different scenarios because there is not one cookie cutter in this world. It's it's very personal. And mm. we were hoping that you would share with us what, you know, your story, how Alzheimer's has affected you and your family. Absolutely. And can I just add this, having a mom who also has Alzheimer's, and I've been dealing with this for 12 years, Debbie, mm, and um, it's, it's a very, it can be a very long disease. And you're absolutely right there. It, everybody has a unique story. However, in our individual stories come nuggets of, of experiences that resonate. And that's what we're looking for is those, those nuggets where we go, oh, oh, you have that too. That, okay. So that's okay. That's normal. I'm not crazy. You know, within the diversity comes the commonality, right? Mm. Yeah. I would certainly say probably stress is very common. Um, unknowingness. I mean, I'm shocked to hear you say 12 years. I'm thinking, oh my goodness, I don't know if I could do it. It's It's been a lot so far, just in the short time I've been dealing with my mom. I'm on the West Coast. I am the only family member on the West Coast. So everything physically falls on me. I'm really lucky that I have an, her brother, my uncle, on the East Coast has been incredibly involved as much as he can be just being on the telephone, making the calls, looking into things. And although my brother isn't as involved and he's on the East Coast too, you know, he's got his own brilliance. So we thought we had no money for mom. Like, where are we going to put this woman? This is getting to be an untenuous situation. Something needs to happen. And she's complaining every day how lonely she is and physically things are going on. We knew it was imminent. And it's amazing. I don't know where my brother David started digging or how he followed the breadcrumbs. But we went from a situation where mom had nothing and all of a sudden, within weeks, everybody doing their part, David suddenly discovers a chunk of change, let's just say, mm -hmm. that mom was sitting on and she tucked away. She, she always lived very miserly. So she totally forgot about it. And so she had over $300,000. Oh, thank oh God. Oh, my gosh. She, yeah. was preparing. she was preparing. <laughs> it's so true. In a weird way, I thought that too, because I thought, you know, somebody else might have spent that money along the way. But the fact that she has it, look, yeah. if she lasts 12 years or more, she's okay. We've got her in a nice place in a facility and, um, you know, different levels of care, depending on how this progresses. So um, I think she'll be okay for a while. And for all of us, it was like, oh, a breath. You can sleep. Yeah. I know you can sleep. One of the biggest stresses is the financial burden, because even if you start out with a nest egg, you have someone like my mother who's now had it for a dozen years. They run out of money, which is why this disease is bankrupting the ins our insurance companies and our personal finances, you know, so we need to figure that out. That's one of the, the goals. But um, yeah, I, I also had to figure out what I was going to do with my mom when there wasn't a cent left and there wasn't a cent left. And I was lucky to get a spot at the Jewish home. Which, ah, yeah. We looked into that actually. That's yeah. supposed to be an amazing place and only because they don't take animals. And my mom had a cat. 
we had to take it off of the docket. Oh, yeah. You can bring animals in to visit, which I do every every weekend. Yeah. But they they just can't be there. They can't can't take care of them. them. Yeah. 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 So, Debbie, question for you. Could you share your story with us about what has transpired with your mom or how you noticed it or how it started? Yeah. What was the first signs for you? Because I think everybody has different signs and, and we see signs, but we don't acknowledge them sometimes. So how did, how did it roll out for you? I didn't really see the signs. It was my mom who saw, who wow. kept insisting something was up because in my world, I'm a busy entrepreneur. So when mom was saying, look, I'm forgetting words and, and it's like, yeah, so do I, so do all my friends. I was thinking, you know, there's a woman who was still really vital. We were going to the theater together. Uh, we had a life force together. So I looked at her like, I don't see anything that's that strange. And you're 87. But to her, something was definitely up. So she is the one who took it upon herself. She went to UCLA. She started getting tested. The doctor sent her to brain scans and all the tests that one would undertake in order to find out what exactly is going on, the mapping, to see if there's actually some kind of dementia, Alzheimer's or otherwise. And indeed, they found out, yes, you have Alzheimer's. And I sort of, in a really interesting way, have to say that I think it's great to know and science is great, but I'm a big mind person. I'm a big creation person, right? Um, I don't think I'd call it law of attraction or metaphysical, but I am that person. And I also believe that we have a lot of power. And I know the moment my mother heard those words, things started to go downhill quicker. This is an important topic, Debbie, that you're bringing up. I think so. Yeah, because really, it was like hanging her hat on this Yes, and saying, I don't want to say she had an excuse to forget because that really wasn't the energy, but it was more like... She adopted that. Yes. I really feel that's what started to happen. And I even felt some that when she was pursuing this very vehemently, like, I got to find out what's wrong with my brain, wrong with my brain, that even that started something. I think when you really believe something is wrong with you, Mm -hmm. you might manifest it. It's a pretty powerful creation. Yeah. My mom was in denial. But on the other hand, my mom was always afraid of losing my stepfather, who was 12 years older than her, and she used to always say, when he goes, I don't really know if I want to move on. Yeah. yeah. And I would say, Mom, because my mom was so young and vibrant, and, and I'd say, that's ridiculous. You have all of us, please. And I really used to think she embraced this disease because it was easier for her to lose him. She didn't want to fight it. Let's put it that way. When we, when she was diagnosed, I, I wanted to try different drugs and different tests and, and things like that. She was like, I don't want to do that. I'm, I don't mm. want to waste money. So I, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I just, I found that really interesting. Thank you. I, and I appreciate what you're saying. And I have to say, ultimately, we're all going to go one way or the other. Even if we live to 90, 100, 110, there's going to be a soul choice. How are you going to exit, right? Uh-huh. You can die of your sleep, you could get cancer, you could get hit by a car, you could get Alzheimer's. So there's several ways you can choose at a soul level. So I want to like bring that into the conversation because I don't think this is about blame for any of the listeners. I don't want them to feel like I'm saying, well, mom chose, chose that. 
because there's an unfairness. There's so much more we don't understand. I'm reading books right now. I'm actually going to be interviewing somebody coming up and her book is just blowing my mind about holistic dentistry. And she's talking about what's in our teeth, at the very least, the metal, the composites in our teeth, and it absolutely is linked with Alzheimer's. And we know there's a lot more in our air, our water, our food that's connected with it, the way we eat. Uh, We've heard, I, I don't know, I'm sure you guys know about this, there's a lot going on right now with keto and ketogenics, and they're saying the more we eat like that with the really healthy high fats, it actually staves off. Alzheimer's. So I want to also say my mom, vegetarian, was doing yoga before anybody knew what it was, Um, very involved politically, intellectually. She was um, in music. She was a recorder player, clarinet player, very involved socially, you know, so something happened medically, anatomically, and or, you know, choice uh, concurrently. Or, so, or, a, or a combination thereof. But I can't, you know, I can't speak to that proof wise, because I don't know, but I'm just speaking to my experience. But to get on with the part of experience, I didn't notice it. Mom did. She investigated. And um, at one point, uh, she called and she said, you know, um, it's conclusive. They said, I have Alzheimer's. And I was very stoic. And so I want to pull back the curtain a little bit because I have heard your show and I felt it was very important for those people listening to maybe hear someone who has had a, a difficult relationship with their mother, because that was me. She was not easy mom. She was not loving mom. I didn't have that growing up and I didn't ever almost have that with her. So I always did the best I could, healed the most I could to show up to have the best possible relationship with who she was. And I heard this and I took it as stoic as I usually would. And then later I got on the phone with my boyfriend who was fairly new in my life and I broke down crying. (sighs) So that was the first like realization. This is gonna be deep. This is gonna be serious. I don't know where this is headed but that's not great news. Mm -hmm. And it's not great news for me Mm -hmm. because isn't it interesting of all the people in her life possible, me, the one who had not, my brother also had a very difficult relationship with her. So it's not like that many people in the family did, but still I'm the one here. So if we're talking about why souls choose things, Mm -hmm. I think that's pretty interesting too. And there's a part of me through this whole process, and there's been a soup of feelings, anger, pressure, resentment. How long is this going to be? Why me? Why me? I love you. I feel compassion. Um, You're difficult. How can I make you laugh and shift the energy? I could tell you so many feelings and experiences I've been through. And through it all, there's this very heightened awareness of grace. And I feel that because I'm, uh, this may make me cry, Mm. because I've been in this position, how fortunate I am that I am receiving this gift because I could have concluded my entire life with my mom, whenever her ending days are, still having had a difficult relationship. But because of this and who she's mellowing out to be through Alzheimer's and who I'm choosing to be by showing up all the time, 
and navigating this every day, there is this element of a new relationship with her. It still isn't what I would have wished for. She's still difficult. She's still negative and neurotic. And, mm-hmm. But it is so much better than it used to be. And I will feel in her ending days that I really truly had a relationship with her. And that to me, I feel such a blessing that I will have that closure. It's beautiful. When you're talking about that transition for yourself, the grace, and it's your healing, right? The shifts that are inside of you because of your your newfound way of dealing with things and, and also looking at yourself, what is that doing for you, Debbie? Oh, girl. <laughs> I am changing so much. First of all, I will say with my family, what happens is I'm on the West Coast. I will wake up and open my phone to 17 text messages. Do this, do that. Mom said this. Mom, we have to handle this. We have to handle that, which is really intense, right? Mm -hmm. So what I've been learning to do between that and other, you know, everybody responds differently. What I know is that everybody's heart in this is truly good. And mom is so blessed to have all these people on her behalf. Oh my God. And what I know is that I had to learn to use my voice at a whole different level because there's a lot of things that are expected of me that are enormous pressures on me. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and sometimes it's like, you need to take her to the doctor tomorrow. And it's like, I cannot. Mm -hmm. I have appointments I set up months ago and that it's, that's not going to work that I can't do that in my life. Um, So I've had to find badass boundaries. I have had to learn because I'm a giver period. And I will feel guilty before. Um, It's a whole new level of dealing with that stress and guilt and pressure, all of which are triggers for me and saying, yeah, I can't. And it's a whole sentence like that just can't happen. Um, It's like, you know, boundaries, like she's got her best friend who looks in on her all the time. And her best friend has very strong opinions and will come to me with them. And they're not always very nice. And um, I bit my tongue and bit my tongue until I did not And then I had to say, it is not acceptable to talk to me like that. I am dancing as fast as I can. Mm-hmm. And I understand you're angry and tired. I am too. Mm-hmm. That's a new behavior. The other thing, non-negotiables. Exercise every day, non-negotiable. I go to the gym every day. I walk my dog every day. I, If I don't meditate, I do a nap or I do something really delicious for myself. I don't care if it's 15 minutes. I do that every day. I must have non-negotiables because if I'm gone, <laughs> it's all gone. And the other thing, and this one's kind of interesting that I'm working on, is finances. So... Um, I lost a lot of money actually caring for my mom. I literally had no bandwidth or capacity. And for instance, I have a class that I roll out, this uh, class, The Ultimate Visibility Formula. I teach people how to be interviewed on radio and podcasts. It's a beautiful class. I was all set to roll it out early January. And I typically would have set up the launch and the marketing throughout December. Couldn't. I literally couldn't. I couldn't. And um, my brother caught wind and he called me up and he said, 
look, you have access to mom's account. I know you're losing money and I really want you to pay yourself for everything you're doing. How beautiful. Yeah. So cool that he would recognize that. Yeah. Give me the, I kind of needed a green light to be honest, because otherwise again, guilt, I would have been like, I am stealing from her. Right. Right. All of that. And I didn't want to feel wonky. It was better for me if I felt accountable, somebody knew, and I write little notes in her bank account every time. Or of course I do a ton of things for her. So every time I have to pay myself back for something big, I do on her behalf, her car, whatever. I, I, I write little notes. It's easier for me to follow the breadcrumbs. And I think the final change, and I'm really still navigating this is, you know, so I'm with my boyfriend over a year and I got to say, there are times when I have to just say, I may not be the best human right now. It's not that I'm mean to him, but I feel sometimes it's hard to fully show up because of the exhaustion that I'm feeling. And um, this, and the, Whatever that soup of feelings, the sadness, it's, it's a lot of feeling. Can I offer this to you it, 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 and see if this resonates? When someone has Alzheimer's, um, it, you are mourning a loss consistently. You're mourning mm. their death in a way yeah. for a very long time. And I mm. believe that you have to acknowledge that because it is, it's an exit, a very long exit. And I've been mourning my mom for a decade and I will still not look forward to that final finality, but you know, it's, it's, I think that is, it, it can really wear on you. And I, I didn't know that for a long time. I didn't, I didn't acknowledge it. Um, but because I, I also I love your term, the soup of feelings, because that's what I was go. I felt like I was in a thick soup, like a, a stew. I really appreciate that. I'm having an aha as you okay. say that. Oh, good. You know, Saturday um, was the final day in her apartment. We moved her to a facility last month, a very nice place. And then I spent the entire month in and out cleaning up her stuff, giving away, selling, whatever. And. Saturday, I didn't realize it till you're saying this, why I cried like I did after, but I did. I sold her recorders. She was a musician mm-hmm. and she, she doesn't play anymore. And her music and her music stands and emptied her apartment, you know, mm-hmm. done, left the keys next. Um, I'm, I'm working on selling her car. Yeah. Yeah. And I, now I understand we're the depth of those feelings came from it is what you're saying this slow morning piece by piece piece by piece interesting enough my mother said to me while she was still copacetic she said to me listen i want you to know this i've had a great life i've want for nothing i've traveled everywhere i've had love and sex and food and <laughs> shopping and and i have done it all <laughs> oh. and she gave me that gift Oh, that's that is so beautiful. Special. That's so <gasps> special. And that's, and, and you know what you're experiencing, Debbie, is also extremely special. And, and the things that you're sharing with us and also, you know, for all the listeners to hear I, as well, that there's uh, so many different unique stories and each one of us have that and have that opportunity. You've been given a gift and you're embracing that gift. As stressful as that gift is, you're not shying away from digging into what does that mean to you. You're taking on a whole other person's life. It's extremely stressful. We have enough problems just taking on our own lives, you know? 
I think the fact that you started off telling us that you had a relationship that was tenuous. So, you know, what you said is going to resonate so much with people because I know friends of mine that are like, I never had a relationship with my father. I don't know why I am saddled with, you know, this or so on and so forth. Right. And some people don't feel guilty. Some people do feel guilty. There's all different ways that it manifests. But what I think what you're describing, Debbie, is phenomenal because it's a gift to you as well as your mom. And mm. others and others that you're sharing with right mm-hmm. now about the reality and the rawness of this, because you're uncovering something. And thank you so much for being so courageous and sharing your vulnerability about what is real in your life. We really mm. appreciate you for that. Can I ask you a question, Debbie? Because it was a tenuous relationship and, you know, you could say, you know what? She wasn't there for me in the way that I wanted her to be. I don't really feel like I need to step up for her. But instead you did. And why do you think you did that? Because it became a positive thing. But I think making that decision had to have been hard. Such a good question. You know, I have, so this is, I don't know, part of it is, um, I've just been that kind of person. I have cared in spite of all the time, actually. Mm -hmm. So there's that aspect. And there's also, I don't know, there's something so moving when you see somebody start to become incapacitated and there's a a level of humanity about it. I guess I could have run away and said, F this situation, I'm out, you know, why should I? Um, But I don't know, I guess I felt somewhere the opportunity to be of service and the, if not me, then who? And yeah, that this, I just knew this had to be done. So somehow it just really organically happened. I stepped in and this whole situation has come, but it's really, um, I have this whole thing going on right now that I call what I'm living in holy flow, right? So I'm in the flow of life. I can't predict. I don't know right now. I'm just in the flow. So it's hashtag holy flow. I, I heard love that it. on your podcast. I love it. I it's love fantastic. It. We're in the holy flow right now. I'm in a, I'm in a hashtag holy flow. It's like, I can't, I am so there with you. I'm, I'm in your, I'm in the lane next door. (laughs) Holy, there she goes. There I am. (laughs) See my blonde hair flying. But that's what it feels like. There's this fluidity. And just, if I just stay here, like, honestly, when I think about when you say 12 years, I'll lose it. But if I just stay in today and the right now, everything's okay. Right. And, and if they ask me to do something and I can do it, I'll do it. And if they ask me to do something and it's, you know, this, it can't, um, which happens a lot, you know, they wanted me to deliver something to her and I'm like, ah, I'm selling mom's car this weekend. So I just keep speaking up and I, you know, there's a level two of trust. If I don't, somebody else will, if I don't, it's okay. If a day or two goes by, if I don't, they can call the facility, something else, you know, in the land of God, goddess can take over and that I don't have to shoulder every single thing. You don't. Moreover, you shouldn't. Yeah, because you're exactly to your point, Debbie, what you said earlier. If you don't take care of yourself, you're not going to be here to take care of anybody else. I, I, I want you to see my movie because it's about 
my mom and, and the, the year that she lived with me when she was first diagnosed. And, um, you know, there's the, the movie opens on the scene, which really happened when, when she was having a meltdown and she was agitated and she was acting bizarre and accusing me and effing and blinding everything about, you know, and then it was the middle of the night and she turns to me and she realizes that who I am and she goes, oh shit, you got to put me in a home. You got to live your life. And I was like, oh, you're going. (laughs) (laughs) You don't have to worry about that. (laughs) Not yet. Right. So, I mean, I I think that, you know, we have to have our lives. And I think Mm -hmm. our mothers and people understand that they would want to live their life. And they don't want to be, I don't think they want to be a burden. I don't. Mm. Yeah. And I think too, with the self-care, there's even that part about sleep. You know, there have been a few times where I just uh, couldn't shut it off and I'm laying in bed and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, I'm exhausted. And the one thing I need so much is to fill myself up with sleep. And of course, nurturing yourself with sleep is important. And I've had to find very soothing ways when I'm overactivated, overstimulated, uh, to lay in bed and either listen to meditations or, um, you know, really, I literally sometimes have to talk to myself and just say, everything's okay right now. Everything's fine right now. And then I'll ask myself, is there anything you need to do? Is there anything? Well, not really, not right now. And when I start doing that, my energy starts to calm down and I can sleep. And of course, sleep is so important when you're going through this. So important. Debbie, what are your methods for you to get the sleep and and or to take care of yourself? What have you been doing about that? Thank you. Yeah. And I really, like, I feel so strongly about the non-negotiables. So the one thing I do, um, I think for people who have a spiritual practice, it's huge. I mean, if, to feel otherwise means I'm separate from something that cares, loves me, sees me, that's not okay, right? Because to be a, really feel alone in this is just overwhelming. So I do a practice called EFT or emotional freedom technique. I love it. You can do it on your own. I can walk my dog and do it. I can do it driving to the gym and I do it every single day. And it's basically, it accesses the meridian points from acupuncture, although you do it with your fingers, there's no needles and you make statements. So if there's something intense going on, I can uh, go through that uh, by tapping on my body and it literally releases it. And then I can start to put in things I prefer. And in minutes, I feel a shift. I um, definitely do my best to get my sleep. I do take vitamins. I eat very well. I go to the gym and um, I have great sex. <laughs> um, that's the most important right there. Right? Okay, sex right. sex go. is good. Start talking. Start talking. I'm trying to remember what that is. I, do, I know I've had it before, but I do. I'm very lonely. Thank I'm you, just thank such you a lonely. boyfriend. Thank you, boyfriend. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> he definitely plays his part. I have a dog. She, honestly, I have the most hilarious puppy in the world. She makes me laugh every day that relationship ah is the best and um connection like i think part of the exhaustion or feeling very different with alzheimer's being a caretaker is um it's kind of hard to talk to people like because they don't 
always understand. And then no. they say, oh, that's too bad. Or, or oh, I w- that would be horrible if that happened to my parent. And you're like, yeah, but it's not. And it's happening to mine. So it's kind of sad when you lose that. Um, somebody can focus on you. And so, um, you know, I really focus on nourishing my friendships, spending time with people, talking on the phone, you know, getting, being social. I love social events. So as much as I can, I will go to things like that. Um, keeping up with the arts is great for me. Reading, going to movies, being out in nature. So there's, you know, multiple practices for me. And um, I think trusting like the, pro- the holy flow, the hashtag holy flow mm-hmm. process, that what presents is what's next for me. I agree. I, I love that. I've always been such a control freak with my life, you know, and I, you cannot control somebody's disease, especially mm-hmm. Alzheimer's, right? You can't even control somebody else. Right. But I mean, I, I, I always, sometimes. and I don't mean control of like making somebody do what I wanted them to do. It was like, I'm a solution girl. You know, I'll figure this out. I will figure out, I'll talk my mom out of it. I'll find a cure. No one's dug deep enough, right? <laughs> I'm going to figure this out. But I realized I have to surrender this and I have to accept it. And it's hard to do that. Yeah. Well, and you know, I, you know, I guess you came to your conclusion the best you could when you love as fiercely as you do and you're as close to someone as you are. And I felt that I've had that with people and my grandparents. And I know that feeling when it's like, you will do anything in your power. Mm-hmm. I've, I've had that for an animal who was dying and the denial was so extreme and painful. And it, I just think that is what it is, you know, mm-hmm. to honor that process. But um, that was your holy flow. That was yeah. the flow you And it's muscle. fair. It's fair to do that. I love the way you said that, to honor that, to honor your process. I love that. You know what? Let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. This is Don Priest, beloved producer of Love Conquers Alls. Hey, if you've been thinking about starting your own podcast, stop thinking and do it. Buzzsprout is hands down the easiest and best way to launch, promote, and track your podcast. Your show can be online and listed in all the major podcast directories like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more within minutes of finishing your first recording. Buzzsprout is passionate about helping you succeed. So join Love Conquers Alls and over 100,000 podcasters already using Buzzsprout to get their message out to the world. And now, back to Love Conquers Alls. Welcome back to Love Conquers Alls. We're talking with Debbie Dashinger about her relationship with her mother, who has been diagnosed with Alzheimer's not that long ago in the scheme of things, and how she is embracing this whole journey. I have a question for you, Debbie. You are totally well known as one of the top interviewers in the podcast world and it takes I know a tremendous amount of of time and 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 effort to do that how did your mother feel about the work that you do Hmm. you know she was always very proud of me actually um that's one thing where I got a lot of yummies (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I know you already I I would say that I would say yummies You know, uh, yeah, because at the beginning of my life, um, the first couple of decades, I was a professional actress. I was a professional singer. She was wonderful about it. Um, very supportive. I had lessons, you know, dance lessons, singing lessons, went to summer stock. Um, yeah, so I felt very supported about what I did, whether I was an actress and a singer. And then uh, it, 
got my career took some very interesting changes that were all really positive and all perfect. And I ended up in radio. I actually started 13 years ago in radio in Burbank, California. Mm. I had my own show. It was Dare to Dream. I started writing books. My mother, um, concurrent with being a composer, was also a proof reader and editor. Oh, wow. So she edited my books, which was very convenient. Yes. And, and she was a I, fan. It sounds like she was a great fan of yours. Yeah, I would say. I would say she was very, very supportive in all of those mm-hmm. and rather enjoyed that. That's a beautiful thing right there. And, and that is that bond that you had with her. So when, obviously, there were other things, because she's obviously a very strong-willed woman. She had very high expectations, it sounds like. And she totally, uh, you know had very strong opinions of how she was going to live her life. She definitely built something for herself, right? A nest egg. <laughs> she took herself <laughs> to the doctors <laughs> and diag- got herself diagnosed, which I, I think to your point is like, um, you know, did chicken or the egg, right? Like mm-hmm. did the diagnosis exasperate what maybe already might've started waning? Yeah right into that because obviously we're all energy so if we say that like i I don't know if you've seen this um uh information out there but there's this japanese doctor that did this test on water yeah dr emoto thank you so much you know exactly about it please tell us about it rather than me say it tell us it's amazing it's exactly to your point it's genius and i i just want to do a pre-caveat here because this my my brain is focusing on this. So if there are medical people out there, I can promise you they're flipping out, right? (laughs) We're not medical medical people people. listening to us. This is not the conversation that is of comfort for them because medicine is medicine. Science is science. Proof is proof. This woman has Alzheimer's. This was going to happen. Yada, yada. And you know what? I honor that. I also want to say that if we have metaphysicians out there listening to us, their little elf ears are perking up and going, this is fascinating to talk about this disease in a way that could actually have been created on some level at a thought level Mm -hmm. or at a soul level, choice level. So I just want to honor everybody out there and you don't have to check out, but, you know, just participate because debate is good, right? So with that said, your question which is Dr. Yamoto. Okay, so it's, it, it's very genius. Um, he said that we have energy and we can influence. And what he did was he took water and he imbued water with poor thoughts, bad things, cursing, negativity. He tested the water previous he said and did the bad things, had, you know, maybe very intense music going at the water, tested it after, and he found it took a grave turn, that the components of the water had actually decomposed and gone bad. Now he took the same water and did it with very positive classical music, saying beautiful things, having love, saying, you know, you're amazing, you're gorgeous, and seeing the change in the water. 
He took it the next step and he started doing it with plants. What would happen to a living plant? And he found the same thing, that it would either degrade with the negativity and the harshness, or it would thrive in a really good environment with positivity. Um, and so he was saying, doesn't this make sense if everything is energy and everything is living, that this would be so with human beings, that by our thoughts, our mere thoughts, we can literally create either a positive environment for ourselves or a negative one. And if that's true, and if we are all radio waves, then what we have internally is actually sending out waves that will attract back to us what we're putting out. You know, if you're falling in love, you have a big smile on your face, you're walking down the block. Life is beautiful. You're smiling at people. You love everybody. You're making eye contact. It's but a song. <laughs> if you've gone through a breakup and it's a country song, uh -huh. and you're miserable and it's dark and you're not looking at people and life kind of sucks, you're having that experience. Mm -hmm. So that's really what Dr. Emoto was about. But I'll say even further to that point, there have been things like Lynn McTaggart, who wrote a book, brilliant book called The Intention Experiment. And she was a scientist, is a scientist, and just decided what would it be like if we ran these experiments and just did some prayers for people. And really, she was just checking out information. And she was shocked at what was happening. So she started setting up groups because she was finding people were praying for other people and lives were changing. Wow. And I went to one of her workshops. I interviewed her on my show. I was so fascinated by her. I went to one of her workshops and she broke us into groups, broke us up into groups. And she said, one person in the group will be the recipient of prayers. And as it turned out in my group, I was. And... Um, so you had to say your problem and they were hoping it would be a fairly grave situation so that when people prayed with you, held intention for you, that the possibility for your miracles would be exponential. And I'm going to tell you, because I'm the most open-minded skeptic, <laughs> my life changed. Wow. I had big wow. like money situations, relationships, like tons of things. Started sign me up. Sign. Where do I sign? <laughs> well, you know, what's amazing though, Debbie, what you're talking about is we are vessels, our human bodies are vessels and we are mostly water and we admit, we admit um, waves. Exactly. Yes, waves, we do. We waves. do. I'm an empath and I know that and I'm not really you at all, but I know that if I think something within seconds, someone else is going to say it out loud. They do. It happens all the time. And with my writing partner, we, we, we don't even speak. We just go, uh-huh. Mm. <laughs> you, know? you know what? There's another book by Jill Bolt Taylor. Mm. She was a, a neurosurgeon who had a stroke and she wrote a book based on it called My Stroke of Insight. And she talked about intention and literally had such a massive stroke. She was basically like a newborn. Wow. And looking back on it, she said it was the most incredible euphoric state to be in. And mm. all that she was affected by was intention, people's intention. If it was a negative intention, say, a caregiver came in and was bathing her and, it, and they were doing it just because they had to. And she said she would feel herself tense up and, and, and be very unhappy. 
And then if somebody came in and you felt their intention was loving and positive, she'd be relaxed and it would be great. And, you know, she, she made a choice to come back into the world because mm. she said she could have slipped away because it was so delightful. Oh. It gave, and it gave me such a, it gave me a great, wow. a great frame to look at my mother and as she loses all of her, you know, capabilities that we're used to. Yeah. It, it, is she unhappy? And I, after hearing her story, it made me feel a lot better, but it is about intention. You know, and things, we are all so many things, right? We're not just one thing. I learned this when I was an actress. I remember in um, training, they would always say, if you're going to play, let's say, an evil person, you don't just play an evil person. You actually find the nice, quiet (laughs) parts. It makes them more sinister. And same thing, if you're a nice person, you're not just nice, right? There's a lot of colors to who we are. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I'm saying this is when you bring up intention, I find it very fascinating that my mother, who repelled most people, frankly, they found it very difficult to be with her because of how negative and difficult she was. Her siblings, her friends, you know, her best friend, it's amazing. You know, she really has a great best friend who's still with her, but a lot of people, you know, just difficult. And, you know, the kids, me, my brother, et cetera. And yet, what kind of intention did this woman have that she somehow created at the end of her life, a stockpile of money, she created her brother, who really wasn't speaking to her much before all of this happened. Right. Who suddenly completely in her life, doing her taxes, figuring out her finances, making doctor calls, a best friend who drives her to the doctor. Uh, it's it's, inc- it's really incredible. Hello. It's, it's really incredible. It's amazing. Well, you know, that goes to show you what you're saying. Like she had some intention to make sure that she was going to be taken care of. Right, Debbie? <laughs> I think so. I mean, I really well, have plans. <laughs> we should all be so lucky. We should exactly. be so lucky. I know, right? Exactly. Hey, we need to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hi, it's Susie from Love Conquers Alls, and I just wanted to talk to you about grocery store shopping. I don't know about you, but I really don't love it. For one thing, I buy too much every single time, or I forget the one thing I really needed. So I found a solution, and it's called Instacart. It's this amazing app where you can get local fresh groceries, including organic, delivered straight to your door in as fast as an hour, which is amazing. Instacart gives you unlimited limited grocery delivery for one low monthly fee, which is much better than the other apps that nickel and dime you every time you use them. Instacart connects you with a personal shopper in your area to shop and deliver groceries based on your preferences from your favorite stores. Did I say in less than an hour? To start your 14-day free trial, follow the link in the show notes to Instacart so they know that we sent you and so you can help support the show. Instacart, more time to listen to podcasts. And now, back to Love Conquers Alls. Hey, we're back and we're listening to Love Conquers Alls and we're talking to Debbie Dashinger. And Mm -hmm. I think what's really fascinating with what Debbie's talking about is like, it's really changing our perspective our perspective of, of how we view something. It's a different shift than what we're talking about. We're changing the conversation. We're opening our minds up to other possibilities. I think it's great to, to show up 
for the patient, uh, for whatever you consider would be of import. One of the things I did, my mother was getting cards at the holidays and she just, she was like, I can't write anymore. My hand shakes too much. I just, you know, she doesn't have it in her. It's not in her will to write back. So I actually wrote a letter for her. I typed it up in the computer. I let people know what was going on where she was, that she had moved, that her phone number had changed, uh, that she wouldn't be writing, but she really appreciated receiving their cards and letters. But if they wanted a call, here's the new number. I also had a letter, let them know because she just doesn't like technology. So I said, oh, she probably won't be answering the messages if you leave her a voicemail, so better to get her in person. And um, I don't know, I just gave them some updates about her. And so every time she received a card in the mail, I sent that back in an envelope to somebody. So I figured as many people as could stay in touch with her, it would be better to keep her mind active. You know, she's always been very smart and very conversational. I also found a crossword puzzle. She used to do the New York Times crossword. And I think instead, maybe I found like a Sudoku or something, but I thought, oh, I got to grab that for her. Keep the brain active and working and engaging, things like that. The one thing I'd really like to work on with her is this facility that she's in offers a lot. And I don't know if you guys have experience with this, but she won't, uh, she kind of goes to meals, but she doesn't really want to go down for a movie and she doesn't really want to go down when they have activities and I feel that's so important. Yeah. Age. My well, mother was a professional singer. So music has been a, a really big uh, component in our relationship because the music gets it's stored in some other place in the brain and it stays for a very long time. For some reason, music is magical. It doesn't leave. I was actually going to bring that up since your mom was a musician. I mean, she probably could still play her musical instruments. Because a lot of Alzheimer's patients that were, say, pianists who can't even talk, they can still play the piano. Mm. My mother, just this year, she'll still sing along with me, but the words are now not the words. But she still is harmonizing. Mm. And yeah. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Oh, that's profound. It's very interesting you would bring that up. One of my best friends, Orna was so sweet this weekend. And she said, oh, I'm sitting in an office and I look down at this newsletter and the cover says on it that music mends Alzheimer's and that music actually saves, heals people with Alzheimer's. And I, I was so appreciative of that, appreciative. And I thought, you know, mom has a little stereo in her room and she's really not playing it. She's mostly using the television mm-hmm. and watching the news. Blah. Yeah. And so I thought I need to encourage her because she loves music like your mom loves that I do that. There's a documentary called Alive Inside. Mm-hmm. I've mentioned this before. Go on YouTube, find it, watch it. It's brilliant. Mm-hmm. It's a guy who took iPods and loaded them up with songs that meant something to residents who hadn't talked for years, who were laying in bed. And the minute he put earphones, headphones onto these people, you'd see their foot start tapping. You'd see them start singing along. And before you know it, they're talking about when they 
were in school and they're, they're, they're having full on conversations. That sounds lovely. I was making a, when I moved my mom into the facility, I made a videotape on my phone so my uncle and brother could see here she is. This is her new furniture. And um, I said at the end, okay, mom, say goodbye. And instead, she started singing. So I started singing with her and we just did this completely impromptu. It wasn't a real song, but we did this completely impromptu sort of hilarious couple of bars of music together and then out. And it's like, damn, she's still got it. You know, I have a question for you, Debbie, since you've been dealing with Alzheimer's, how has it changed your perspective about how you perform um, in your work and in your life? I have to say there is a mellowness in a way. Um, it's, it's a great leveler, right? Mm-hmm. It's ongoing. It's pervasive. It's exhausting. And so, yeah, I, I feel like a lot of things that were big deals kind of are not anymore. <laughs> and I'm, I'm just more mellow, you know, um, like I deal with a lot of celebrities that I interview and I can get pretty excited about it. And I, I don't, I'm, I, it's more like I'm meeting a human being now. I feel uh, less about that. And I'll tell you another thing is it makes me very aware of how I want to end up. Right. Right. Yep. Totally. Wow. wow. I have a question. What do you, what, what about the disease really surprised you because for me I knew nothing about it and there was so much I had to learn my biggest misnomer is that I thought someone gets Alzheimer's and you talk to them they don't know who you are they don't know who they are what's going on maybe they get agitated and it has not been like that at all in fact I find my mother on a lot of levels incredibly lucid so that hasn't been the case. I feel really fortunate about that. I would say that's the biggest misnomer. It doesn't look like one thing. People lose different aspects of their memory and a long-term, short-term, numbers, calendar things, names, you know, stuff like that. That's, that's been going on quite a bit or trying to describe an object like, oh, it's, 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 you know, and I, I usually just stay very patient because I don't want to try to guess what she's saying. I can't usually. Mm-hmm. Um, and if she can't and she can, do, but she can describe it, you know, it's kind of adorable. Uh, you know, it's round and it, it has these things and you sit in it and it's like table. I don't know. <laughs> Is it a dining table? Is it, you know, four letter word? <laughs> oh, I totally get it. I, I totally relate. I'm just going to ask you, what is the most impactful thing that you have done that has changed your life? And it doesn't even have to be about this, but just with all everything that you've done in your life, everything you know now up to this moment, what's the most impactful thing that's changed your life? Oh, two things. Follow my dreams, make them come true, and heal, period. I came from a rough situation growing up, 
And I could have gone a lot of different ways. I could have gone to drugs. I could have become an alcoholic. I could have destroyed myself in a lot of ways. And God knows I tried a little bit along the way. However, I really had an aversion to pain. And I really somehow, and I always feel like there was an angel in the future coming back to pick me up and carry me forward. But I really was open to healing. And I somehow was very well guided to some of the most profound healing experiences. And I think that alone, you know, I'm unrecognizable from who I was as a teenager. And I'm unrecognizable from who I was in college and who I was in my 20s. I have really taken the very uh, deep road for this life, you know, to do whatever is possible to create the best possible me, the best possible relationships, the cleanest life and all of that. So I would say having dreams and really showing up to make them come true and also uh, to heal anything that was aberrant was not serving me or anybody else. Yep. Done. Whatever it takes. I love it. That's called living the good life. That's actually living a life. Yep. And then being open to the hashtag holy flow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hashtag holy flow. That's my, that that's my it. new hashtag <laughs> that I'm going to get on with you, Debbie. Uh, Debbie, we have been so absolutely blessed and lucky to have you share your stories with us, share you with us, share your mom with us. I'm just, I'm amazed. I've learned so much from you today. I'm, 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 I'm grateful and um, we have to have you back if you would not mind, because there's just so much more that we want to talk with you about. I, I, I just I thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much, Debbie. And I want to wish you the best with your mom. And I already know it's going to be a journey that is not going to be easy, but it's not going to be bad. But it's an important it's an important journey. And I'm mm-hmm. so glad that you have taken this on in a way that you are to heal that relationship and have one. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Oh, Cassie, Susie, thank you so, so much for having me. Uh, Our pleasure. Thank you for being here. Thank you everybody for listening to love conquers alls. Wasn't this a great example of that? (laughs) And um, please hit us up. Let us know if you have any questions, topics that we haven't gotten to yet. We are there for you. We want to help you. We want to get the conversation going. So until next time, remember, love is powerful, love is contagious, and love conquers all. All you gotta do is sing a song. All you gotta do is sing a song.